How's it going, everybody? And welcome to the second episode of the Dynasty Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Short, and joining me, as always, is my good buddy, Andrew. Hello, hello. Now, before we get into this week's episode, we do want to thank everybody that stopped in and listened to our first episode ever last week. Going forward, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you guys don't mind dropping us a follow if you're on the Spotify app, or if you're on the Apple Podcasts app, dropping in and giving us a five-star view is much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you very much for listening to the first episode. It's nice to have an audience for something that Bailey and I talk to each other you know, every single day. And um, also, segueing into the next thing is, if you have any questions or any hot trade offers or anything along the lines of Dynasty or Redraft questions, then you feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at mine is at Andrew underscore NFL and the show is at Dynasty Decision. All of that is on Twitter. Yes, yeah, so you can find us on Twitter. Drop us with any hot questions you have if you need them answered right away. We're here for you here at Dynasty Decisions. Absolutely. So the next thing we are going to go into is talking about a little bit of the hot topics that came out on the press this week. One of those being the Damian Williams opt-out. Bailey, what you got on that? Well, you know, it's crazy. I mean, obviously we're in crazy times with this Corona stuff and uh, you've got players opting out, players landing on the Corona reserve list. And, um, you know, there's been some names, the Devin Funches opt out, all that stuff. But Damian Williams, I think we both agree, is like the most fantasy um, relevant, uh, you know, dynasty situation that's Asset. happened so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think it's all it's going to take the Clyde Edwards Hilaire hype train that's already has no brakes. And now we're, we're going downhill at a million miles an hour. So uh, that's it'll be interesting to see if you have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It's not a bad time to shop him, in my opinion. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll just see. I mean, Andrew, I know we were talking a little bit about this, but if they land on the Corona list, it doesn't necessarily mean they have the coronavirus, correct? Correct. So all the COVID lists that they have going on there is either they have, so one of the reasons landing on it, they could have tested positive for it, or it could just be that they ran into somebody who had a confirmed positive test. Yeah, and they, does, can't, and they yeah. can't disclose that as the, the team can't disclose that information, correct? It's just kind of like vague on purpose. Like Correct. They can't disclose who had it. They can say yeah. that they came in contact for it. HIPAA laws and healthcare yeah, yeah, yeah. acts and stuff along those lines too. But if they do end up on that list, that's not the end of the world for them. Uh, we'll kind of segue this. It's a three-week thing that they have to be on and they're tested again to ensure that they are negative on the test too. But that's something that we've, uh, we get questions about all the time too on, on Dynasty and everything is, what are, what are we doing with our team if they get uh, on this COVID list? You know, uh, Bailey, you want to explain what we do uh, in our leagues right now? Just, oh, just yeah, yeah. Option. You mean like commissioner stuff? Right, right. Yeah. So what I've been doing in the leagues that I'm commissioning for is uh, you're I'm allowing more um, injury injured injured reserve spots i'm allowing more players on there if they have the COVID designation obviously you can put them on there and i'm also allowing opt-outs to go on there too i mean you don't want this season is already going to be enough of a uh just total shit show basically and so as a commissioner i'm definitely giving my my league members as much 
you know, just as many tools as we can to, to deal with it. So I'm increasing injured reserve slots and I'm making the rules to land on injured reserve a little bit more lenient so that, you know, we can just kind of adapt to the situation as it comes. But that's all I've been doing. And, and, and there's some other incremental things you can look at, increasing bench size, stuff like that. But I, I've just been taking a slow and reactive approach to this as far as, you know, what we're seeing with this corona stuff and what it might do to the season. And just reacting with stuff as it comes out, which is, I think, all we can do as fantasy commissioners. Right. I, I think that's just the safest approach to it, too. So I guess we'll move into what our actual episode is about today, too. And that is buying low and selling high on sophomore, so their second year in the league, players. Um, to preface this, buy low means that you are they're where they're standing at right now, where they're being drafted, their ADP average draft position, how people feel about them. Uh, it couldn't be, you know, maybe not so great on them. I mean, they're an okay player, so you can buy them at a premium price. And then selling higher, usually people who exceed their hype or have the, all of this hype coming around them to where you can sell them at their peak price right now. Yeah, basically what we're looking at with these players is based on their performance or lack thereof performance and the reasons behind those things. We might see them as a overinflated value or an undervalued uh, asset. So we're looking at players here that you can either turn around for more return than you should normally get or players that you should go buy while they're still cheap. So uh, we're going to be talking about all the skill positions. We're going to start with quarterbacks. And we got three from well, we got three from all categories, but wide receivers. There were so many. We're going to save the wide receivers to last. Too many wide receivers. And we're going to go over our three favorite buy low and sell high quarterbacks. The first one, and Andrew, I'll let you start the conversation with this guy, is going to be old Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones for the New York Giants. So what's your thoughts on him? Daniel Jones is a great asset for me, man. Um, I'm going to buy him in most of my leagues, if so not a, all of my So it's a buy leagues. low. It is a buy low, even though his hype is starting to you know, rise a little bit. Oh, yeah. He's popping up on radars. Every, everyone's kind of looking at him because, I mean, he is, you know, the future of this New York Giants franchise. They selected him number six overall last year in the NFL draft. And, I mean, he didn't yep. even have that bad of a year. I mean, he had an okay year. He was solid. Know. Yeah, he was solid. He was winning some games. And the big thing is, is that this franchise believes in him. You know, Eli Manning Absolutely. was the starter for a long time. He won Super Bowls. And they decided that they wanted to move on a little bit from him. And I mean, his numbers weren't bad either. I mean, 62% completion last year, had two rushing uh, touchdowns too, which a lot of people kind of don't see that rushing potential in him too. I mean, he's not a fast yeah, he's, guy by any he's means. He's sneaky on the ground for sure. And something to touch on what you said with the Eli Manning thing, what's kind of interesting is it's not like they went into this year like, okay, Daniel Jones, here's the keys to the car. They gave Eli his opportunity to start the year out. And it was, they were so ready to move on to Daniel Jones. They just flipped the switch. You know what I mean? Yeah, they just, they just kind of left him out, you know, to do all of that. Um, so buyer beware too with him too. I'm still buying him, but he did have a bit of a turnover issue too, which is why a lot of people have him lower on their radars. Uh, he had a very bad fumbling problem, had 18 fumbles last year and lost 11 of them as well um his offensive line wasn't the best but i mean I, I believe in the situation i believe in the new uh coaching and atmosphere there too and a lot of the issues he had as well was injuries 
all the skill players were hurt, Bale. I mean, yeah, you know, that to me is kind of the biggest counter argument to Daniel Jones is, and, and for the record, I'm a buy low as well. I'm agreeing with Andrew here, but I do think the counter argument exists of, you know, outside of Saquon Barkley, what's, what's a viable weapon long-term right now for Daniel Jones? I know that people were wondering if the Giants were going to draft a wide receiver this year, like one of the high caliber guys. Obviously, they did not do that. So we're coming into the 2020 season looking at Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, who, you know, there was some, we're going to talk about him later, but there was some chemistry there. But Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley, you know, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram obviously had problems staying on the field. Right. Uh, If they can stay on the field, then we might have a better situation. But I'm, how how much do you think Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram is even an elite asset or, or even an above-average asset? Obviously, the player to own on that offense is Saquon Barkley. But even yeah. then, um, Evan Ingram was a highly touted you know uh, prospect coming out of college. And he He's has still, looked good. Yeah, he hasn't looked bad. He just can't stay healthy. Yeah, so that, that would be my only concern. But I do agree with you. I'm buying low. I do think, and I think you were saying the same thing, the window's kind of closing right on on his buy low but he still is he has qb1 upside he showed athleticism and the giants are heavily invested so exactly uh, do you want to move on to the next guy you're good yeah i'm good uh i'll let you touch on the next person who is drew Locke. tell me your opinion on him yeah so drew lock to me is is a lot like daniel jones for some different reasons but i am buying low on drew lock as well my reason being with drew lock is first of all so Denver didn't go out and obviously draft Drew Locke like the Giants drafted Daniel Jones sixth overall. He wasn't this super high uh, pick in the first round, obviously. However, what they did do is go out this year in the draft and pretty much say, all right, Drew Locke, from what you showed us at the end of last season, we're going to go out and draft a super-powered offense. We're going to sign some guys to give you a super-powered offense, and we're going to give you the keys to the Corvette, basically. Drew Locke's coming into his second season which is gonna for all intents and purposes i mean since he i mean how many games did he play last season it was like six Uh, right or something like that five five okay yep five games last year so for all intents and purposes this this is his first year it's his first starting year and basically he's he's got Cortland sutton who's an ascending wide receiver possibly a wide receiver one candidate we have jerry judy a first round extremely high level prospect and then we also have Noah Fant, another huge prospect on a receiving threat at tight end. And they also went out and signed Melvin Gordon. So what you're looking at here is just a high-powered offense that Drew Locke has the keys to. He's gonna have he's gonna have his way of it and an opportunity. And I like what I saw. I mean, Drew Locke's not afraid to throw the ball around. He was pretty uh, safe with the ball as well. Not many interceptions. And for me, I'm buying low. I think he's actually value-wise, a better buy low than Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones has a little bit more hype. Uh, Drew Locke, obviously a smaller sample size, but I think the upside is still there. And he's got a better – there's no question he's got a better all-around offense than Drew Locke. So, Andrew, what do you think about him? So, just to plug some numbers in for you there, too, he wasn't a suit he, – he still was a second-round pick. I mean, he was 42nd overall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. So, I mean, I'm not – but not the same level of investment as like a top 10. Exactly. Yeah. He wasn't something going on. You know, everyone's talking about this, this cat out of Missouri of all people, of all places. 
Um, also, to counter your, your point on that, too, I think he's not safe with the ball. I mean, I never said Daniel Jones was super consistent with it. But, uh, I mean, he still had in five games, he did have three interceptions and he had three fumbles. He only lost one, but I think he has the potential to um, turn over the ball a little bit more. He also, and I'm not, I mean, he's, I still think he's a talented player. I'm also, I'm selling Drew Locke. I, I think with all of these weapons and assets that they're adding around him, I think that this is a peak time because everyone's very excited to watch him work with this clean new offense that he has too. I still think Drew Locke is very talented. Don't get me wrong. He's in the NFL. Obviously he's got to be good at somewhat, but what I don't trust about him is his organization, the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos have a very, very poor time of developing young quarterback talent. They've drafted multiple number one quarterbacks overall. Brock Osweiler, I mean, no, not number one overall, but in the first round, you caught me on that one. Um, They've had, they just can't develop them. You know, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, all these other ones. When all their success has come from bringing in other quarterbacks to win them football games. One other quarterback, really. Well, right. Yeah, Joe Flacco didn't do (laughs) too well. It's limited success overall. But yes, Peyton Manning was the bright spot at that position. Right. So in in a sense, I'm selling Drew Locke because he's on the Denver Broncos. Yep. I'm selling it on the hype of this highly powered offense you know kind of reminds me a little bit of the browns offense last year that kind of floundered and that's that's not a bad uh that's not i i i see where you're going with that that's not a bad take and and i i can the comparison to the browns with the hype they had that's interesting so uh solid i i still think i i i you know It'll be interesting to see. It'll be real. I think Drew Locke is one of the more play is one of the players I'm most interested to watch how his situation unfolds this next year, how he utilizes that offense. It'll be interesting to see. Because I do think the talent's there. I agree with you. You know, Denver's quarterback history is suspect, but they also when was the last time they had an offense that looked as good on paper as this? So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Indeed, indeed. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about, our last quarterback to talk about is going to be the man that plays for the football team, which is going to be Dwayne Haskins. Yes, the face of the football team, Dwayne Haskins Jr. So, Andrew, I know we're, uh, we're like-minded on this guy. What's the, what's the consensus? The consensus from the Dynasty Decision, guys, is we are buying Dwayne Haskins Jr. out of yes. the Ohio State University. He's got insane measurables. I mean, 23, 6'4", 230. This is going to be a second year in the league, obviously. First round draft pick. First round draft pick. First round draft capital. Always too. like that. Yep. And the GM has come out on paper and saying, like, look, we trust this guy, you know. Last year, yeah. everyone was saying, I mean, and we all watched it. The Washington football team was kind of not fun to watch. <laughs> well, and they just threw Dwayne into the, the wolf den, basically. I mean, it was brutal watching uh, him get thrown out into that just absolute it was terrible yeah absolutely and what they came up with too uh, i mean case keenum was there he did really well for him and then they decided that they wanted to transition Dwayne haskins so one of the things that i'm looking at here too is he was actually fairly consistent and protecting the football uh except for <clears throat> one game which was where most of his turnovers came from <laughs> which was his first game first starting uh, game Correct. First full starting game. He had an issue there too. But I mean, beside that, his numbers weren't 
too, too bad. I mean, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. He had 200 pass attempts for 1,300 yards. He had six fumbles and two of them that he lost there too. But one reason why I'm going to buy him is because of the potential of that offense and bringing in Ron Rivera to have that shootout like mine. You know, they call him Riverboat Ron with all of those um, gambles that he takes too. And then there's one other thing that has happened recently uh, to that they added to that locker room, and that's the return of Alex Smith too. I think that Alex Smith was a great quarterback whenever he played. And I think that he can do a great job in mentoring Dwayne Haskins to kind of overcome some of these problems. I like that take. I actually was talking to a guy today about Dwayne Haskins, and he was worried about Alex Smith coming back and taking the job over. I don't see any way Alex Smith returns to football, but that's a great spin on that argument. Like, well, what if Alex Smith takes over? Well, what if Alex Smith just ends up mentoring Dwayne Haskins and turning this guy into you know, get, getting the mental aspect of the game at the NFL level more down pat for, for Haskins. So I like that. That's a good, a good spin on that, uh, you know, the thought process of if, if Alex Smith is going to come back in and, and take over the job, which I don't think will happen. I don't, I don't think, think so playing either. Him. Not I after an he, injury like that. And, and more power to him, man. Shout out to Alex Smith. I mean, that was a yes, gruesome injury. Rehab. And he came back and he wants to play football. I get it. I think that he can do a great job of mentoring Dwayne Haskins and helping him over the hump. I agree. And I think, like you said, I, there's, a, there's a good investment on Haskins. He looks good on paper. And I'm, he's another one I'm excited to see. The big thing for me on the buy low on Haskins, just to uh, add on to what you're saying there, I agree with everything you're saying. But to me, Haskins is one of the cheapest starting quarterbacks you can buy right now. And so for the price you can get him at in a super flex league, why not? You know, I mean, why not? Why not take him, buy him? Uh, if if he pans out, you've got a 23 year old starting quarterback. That's, you know, that's worth a lot in Superflex. So I'm all in on that. Me too. Absolutely all in. So are we ready to move on to our next three contenders? Yes. Let's go to running backs now. All righty. So the running backs we have first off is David Montgomery from the Chicago Bears. And I'll let you take that one over, Cap. Yeah. So David, for me, is a big buy low. Um, it's interesting to see the opinions on this guy because there's a lot of people that are that are saying buy low like I am. And you're seeing more of that. But you also have a lot of people that just believe David Montgomery sucks and they're ready to get rid of him, which is that's a great buy low, <laughs> in my opinion. I think David Montgomery is a classic example of a is a good running back on a bad football team that was also just very disjointed all over the place on the field and and everything. You, you watch the Chicago Bears last year and it just didn't make sense. Uh Mitchell Trubisky basically was just being disrespected left and right, not being able to do anything in the air. Allen Robinson being pretty much the only bright spot on the passing game because of that. And Dave Montgomery has to deal with a lot of really good run defenses that were keying on the fact that the Bears were going to try to run the ball. And then when you have Tariq Cohen sitting behind you, you the that's the biggest like red flag for me with Dave Montgomery is that Tariq Cohen's there and he's such an elite receiver out of the backfield. He's basically a receiver in the running back spot that the PPR floor is diminished with Montgomery. However, Tariq Cohen is a free agent after this season, and I would put my money on, even if they bring in another pass catching back to back up Dave Montgomery, they're probably not going to be on the level 
of Tariq Cohen. So I feel good about Dave Montgomery's value going forward. I feel like he's going to get more opportunities. I mean, if you look at his stats on the year last year, 242 attempts for 889 yards and six touchdowns. That's three points, uh, about 3.7 yards per carry. It's not bad. Uh, you'd like to see more, but it's not bad. And I think the Bears are going to improve. I think the running game is going to get better. I think Matt Nagy, the play calling last year, it, it just didn't make sense at times. I think you see, you see better suspect. there. Yes. Well, like, again, we were talking about it earlier. Like, put Tariq Cohen on third down and then run Tariq Cohen up the middle. It's like, what, what world does that make sense? But apparently that's what they were doing sometimes. So I just see Dave Montgomery, again, super cheap price for a starting 23-year-old running back. On a, on a team like the Chicago Bears, I'm taking that all day. I, I think that's a great buy low. You have anything I'm, to add there? The, the only thing that I can add there, too, is even if the Bears do decide that they want to move on from him, you know, whenever his contract is up, he's got a while. You know, he's a sophomore. But in his rookie campaign, he had two fumbles. Two fumbles and 200 yeah, that's, carries. that's a good point. I Very think that's, that's exactly. And I think football coaches like that because that's he doesn't huge, turn the ball yep. over. You know, we have people who, I mean, everyone's down on Chris Carson too, but Chris Carson had a huge fumbling problem last year. And I don't think that he could potentially get the contract he wants because he turns the ball over. And I think David Montgomery is a spectacular player. His PPR floor or ceiling is capped by Tariq Cohen, just like you said. But beside that, I think, I think he's a great buy low asset. Young young running back on yes. a bad football team. Perfect yes. way to describe him. That that should get better, and uh, I, I just think it's a great buy low for the price. Especially you can. I mean, there's a lot of people who just think David Montgomery sucks. I mean, it's it's crazy to me sometimes when you I, I do these polls and you look at these polls and and the voting. It's like okay, you guys just think this guy's just a piece of garbage, which is great for me. <laughs> Go out and buy him. I mean, if if you if he's your wire. Uh, RB2, low RB2, a flex player. I mean, he, I think you're golden there. So the next one we're going to go into, so we're both by low on Monty. We agree on him. The next one is going to be Devin Singletary over in Buffalo. And I'm interested to know what you think about him, Andrew. Um, so lay it on me. So with him, I think that a lot of people saw his stock kind of cap last year on account that they drafted another running back in Zach Moss, who I think is a big bruiser, big body type guy. Um, so I'm selling David Singletary, Devin Singletary, sorry, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary caught me up there a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> with him, he, um, he, he just wasn't spectacular to me, man. He just wasn't someone that popped on an offense there. And the offense in the Bills, like everyone knows, like the Buffalo Bills are known for their defense. But even in the downs and everything that he ran, I mean, he still was very efficient on the ground, believe it or not, with five yards of carry. They just didn't give him the attempts. And yeah, I think he had that, the big plays there. They, he, he busted some big plays. Um, right. Okay, I, 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 think his, I think his floor is just not there for me. I mean, at best, I see him as maybe like his ceiling could be an RB3 flex. And I think that's his ceiling because I think with him, he only scored four touchdowns last year, two rushing, two receiving. And that was because the Bills had the ageless wonder in Frank Gore. And I think that whenever Frank Gore left to go play for the Jets, they wanted someone to fill that void that he left behind. So they drafted this big bruiser in Zach Moss. And I think that Zach Moss is going to cap Singletary touches at the goal line. 
now. I think PPR he should be okay, but it, with no threat from Zach Moss there. But beside that, I, I just don't see Devin Singletary being anywhere near the hype that he was last year. Yeah, I agree with there. I think the biggest thing is Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. It's so much of kind of a even keel between these two guys. It's like, which one's better? So that's like the worst situation in a one-two punch, right? I mean, there's not a clear-cut guy uh, to that you want more. I definitely think also something to think about is with these running quarterbacks with Josh Allen, he uses his legs so much. There's not as much dump off or even sometimes the goal line opportunities are vultured with him as far as scrambling and, and getting into the end zone that way. So there's a lot of reasons. And to me, Devin Singletary, there's nothing that jumps off the page athletically talent wise for me either. Jag. Yeah. So I just don't see, you know, he's a starting running back right now. If you have a guy that's willing to pay you a starting running back price, take it and run. I, I just see the situation with him and Zach Moss getting murkier and murkier. I agree. Wholeheartedly with everything, too. And the the play calling there, too. Absolutely, we're both selling. And the play calling there, too, just like you said, with Josh Allen in the backfield. I think that they're going to even design more runs for him this year. Yeah, there's just a lot of red flags, and it's not like Singletary is this, like, major talent. And, uh, you know, Zach Moss, I definitely think, is going to get the nod on goal line touches. So So we'll move on to sell high, sell them while you can. Zach Moss is not a bad buy right now, either, because of that timeshare. I agree. Uh, I think Moss might even be the guy to own uh, going into the future uh, there. I, I like him a lot. Get him before we really see how the split looks between him and Singletary, especially if if Moss starts winning that battle, his value goes up exponentially. So absolutely. buy him now. So the next one, because speaking of having a minor murky backfield, um, Damian <laughs> Harris out of New England up there uh what are, you, what are your thoughts on on old damien up there in that crowded backfield for bill so Belichick? this is our guy on the list you know our other two they're very these guys are forefront montgomery and singletary damien harris has barely even seen any time in the nfl at all i mean i think the guys like literally played on a few snaps i mean he's got like four rushing attempts last year okay so this guy's barely seen any action at all however I think Damian Harris is the biggest buy low of all of easily all of the running back prospects we're talking about. Maybe one of the best buy lows value wise of the whole show. And that being is because, first of all, as we're doing this show right now, Sony Michelle's situation seems to be looking worse and worse for me. Uh, he's on the pup list. The guy has knee issues and it's just getting worse and worse for Sony. It's not like he's looked good either last season. Or anything, and Damian Willis, Damian Harris's um, college career at Alabama was phenomenal. I mean, the guy was an absolute tank. He looked great, multiple thousand plus yard seasons. So we know the guy has the talent to be a a, a big time back. And he did it at Alabama in the SEC. It's a good, you know, in a crowded backfield too. I mean, yeah. Alabama had multiple uh, people they were using out there as yeah. well. That's true. That's true. So I think even though Damian Harris, you know, being a New England back, you're a little bit worried about that. But the price you can get him at right now, I mean, he's fourth on the depth chart. Now, obviously, any savvy owner you're looking at, Sony Michelle in front of him, that's a big question mark. James White, that won't be going on much longer. Rex Burkhead, I mean, come on, really? And then Damian Harris right now. So any savvy owner is going to know that Damian's kind of the next guy up if Sony Michelle 
continues to have issues, which I think is what we're going to see. And this is, to me, the last chance to really buy low on Damian before the hype starts running because this guy is just primed to take over the backfield. It'll be interesting to see what New England looks like with Cam or Stidham, but I think we're going to see Cam, obviously, at the helm of that offense. It'll be interesting to see if that offense changes much. But I know before they signed Cam, we were looking at a run-heavy offense, and New England still has a lot of question marks on the receiving end of uh, the field as far as offense goes. So, you know, the only thing I'd be worried about is there's been some line opt-outs on New England for this year. But I still like Damian Harris as a long-term buy. I mean, the guy's 23. He's barely seen any action. He basically had a year off last year. So uh, get in now before before it's too late. Yep, you uh, you touched on most of the points I was going to say. Uh, the big thing being everyone's going to be shied away due to the opt-outs from New England's line, including, I think, another tight end opted out today or yesterday sometime past. And then they necessarily didn't add any weapons to the offense outside of um, Marquise Lee. I don't think anyone should ever really And he opted out. Yeah, he sure did. That's true. So I don't <laughs> I think mean, anyone you should worry about anyone on that offense. There's no one who really sticks out in that whole except for the other guy there. that we're gonna talk about later. Right. I was kinda keeping him in my back pocket for later. You he was know. a secret. He was a secret. Well anyway, let's get so, to tight end so we can get to it. it. Let's do so, it. So the first tight end uh we're gonna talk about is going to be Irv Smith Jr. And I'm interested to see what you have to say about him. I'll let you go. So we saw a little bit of Irv Smith coming out uh, last year in those two tight end sets uh, beside Kyle Rudolph. He still finished PPR tight end 33, which is not terrible at all for a rookie tight end because normally with tight ends in the NFL, it usually takes them a couple years to break out, get used to the system, get used to the play calling of their coaches. So usually if you see someone who has this spectacular year one then you you kind of hit the lottery there even your your george kittle didn't even have this eye-popping receiving line there too um, no you're never drafting that rookie tight end for for immediate upside or immediate production rather yeah you kind of sit there too i think that he's he's great i think that that offense in minnesota fits him um i know that with the departure of kevin stefanski people think that it'll take a little hit to him but I think that Kyle Rudolph's kind of on his way out, man. He's oh, 30. Sure. He's 30. He's kind of banged up a little bit here and there. He was a big red zone target was the biggest upside for him, obviously. And I still wouldn't even, I would, wouldn't really pay peanuts for Kyle Rudolph right now. Like I said, he's on no. his way out. He gets beat up a lot, and he was that red zone target. He was a tight end target vulture. Touchdown vulture, not tight end vulture. Um, so I'm I'm all in on Irv Smith and his his college career down there in Alabama still wasn't terrible. I think he's an all around great player, blocker, and receiver. So, well, what's your opinion on him, there, friendo? I agree with everything you said, and I think the biggest thing uh, I don't I don't think you mentioned it, but like one big thing to think about is the Stefan Diggs exodus and the targets that that's going to free up. I mean, right now you're looking at Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Taj Tajay Sharp. And Justin Jefferson, like we said earlier, not a huge deal, but as a freshman, he is on the COVID list. So he's missing out on some uh, time with the team, which is obviously valuable as a rookie. And so I think uh, the Vikings are going to be looking for people to step up on the receiving end since they got rid of of Diggs. And Irv Smith, to me, is a super athletic, talented tight end. That's uh, he's, He's built for that receiving tight end role. 
and that's what you're going to see. That's one of the guys you're going to see pick up the slack there at, at Minnesota. So I agree with you. I'm a buy on him. I'm all about Irv Smith. Um, <clears throat> next guy is going to be Jay Sternberger. And I know we agree on this one. Uh, I'm going to start off with that one and, yep, and call, him a big, call him a big old buy low. Even though he's on the COVID, the list, he's got the scarlet letter on him. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still liking him. Um, and my big reason for liking Jace is he's a, obviously he's young because he's a sophomore in the league. Uh, there's no, he's the starting tight end, assuming that he comes back from all this, whatever's got him on the COVID list. He comes back and he's ready to go. And obviously the Green Bay Packers pretty much have no idea what they're doing with receivers outside of Devontae Adams. I mean, we've got Alan Lazard as the wide receiver two and the most likely uh, guy to be kind of the second attack there. And then the rest of it's a question mark. I mean, we've literally got just all these different names and you don't know who's going to kind of be the, the third guy in the pecking order as far as getting targets from Aaron Rodgers. And I just see Jay Sternberger as being a good option in the red zone. If he can develop some trust from Rodgers, obviously he's got even more upside because there's just so much opportunity for target share. There's so much target share up for grabs there right now. And nobody really has Jay Sternberger on the radar. He's one of the classic um, opportunity is a knocking kind of guys. Uh, he's got a great opportunity. So buy on the opportunity. If he can make the most of the targets that he will probably get, um, he's got a he's got an opportunity to really overperform the ADP. I'm right there with you on everything on there too. The only thing different, uh, like you said, a lot of people don't really know a lot about him. He transferred from Kansas and mm -hmm. playing at Texas A&M uh, in 2018. So we got to kind of watch him, you know, kind yeah. of follow the SEC. This cat was hyper efficient. So, I mean, he had 48 catches in 2018 with the Aggies at 832 yards. So that's about 17 yards a catch. That's crazy. And that's yeah. the volume may not be there, but. For that offense, it was a different time. How many, Green Bay, how many touchdowns? He had 10. That's a lot for a tight end. Yeah, so that just tells you right there. He's a red zone target. Uh, he's a big guy, and, and he can get open in the, in the end zone, and, and, get, and you can get the ball to him, and he'll go up and get it. So to me, Absolutely. that's all you want out of a tight end. And it'll be interesting. You know, it's always interesting to see how Green Bay employs their tight end, but I think just with the receiving core the way it is, it's worth the low price you have to pay to get them. I'm right there with you on that one. All right, we got well, I'll let one. you start on the next one. It's going to be TJ Hawkinson. TJ. He's our most, he's our like highest buy-in price of anybody on this list for tight ends. So what do you think about him? That's true. Hawk is really high up there. Um, you know, you kind of see him up there with the Jaseckis and uh, oh, yeah. Noah Fant. First round guy. First round kind of guy. Um, I am selling TJ Hawkinson. He makes me nervous because he gets hurt. You know, <laughs> he had that. Yeah. He had that amazing just blowout kind of game. You know, that first game first he comes game. out into the league. You know, drops twenty eight fantasy points at least. At one I remember playing now. against him in week one in one of my leagues, and I was like, "What the hell just happened? I just got blown out by a freaking rookie tight end. I couldn't believe it." In his first game ever, you know. Yep. So that was when he had nine targets. The the funny thing about him is he got hurt toward the, the second half of the year. That first game was a super outlier on the rest of the season. And I think everyone's really hyped because they, they think with Matthew Stafford coming back, he's going to just make Hawkinson this elite level player, which I think he is an elite level player. I just think that even with Matthew <clears throat> Stafford, 
people are using that first game as like his indicator. Like that's what he should be like. That's how he's he showed be. flashes for sure. Yeah. And he's got the draft capital. So there's like the double like hype. People are ready to hype him. You know what I mean? And exactly. I mean, he had a season high. He had, he did have 11 targets, but that was week 13 against Chicago, which Matthew Stafford was out by then, you know, and you kind of have your tight ends, a little bit of a safety blanket there. You know, you yeah, want to cover yeah. your blanket because he's a big target. I can't miss him. Right. I mean, the cat's six five, two forty seven. He's a big old boy. Um, that really, my my thing with him is, I don't think the targets are there, and I think that with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Amendola, and with the addition of DeAndre Swift into that backfield, I think that he wasn't getting a lot of targets and looks, and I still don't think that he's going to have the volume, especially since DeAndre Swift is this you know, elite level prospect coming in. Yeah, so you see, a, fake, you see a fake year- you see a year two being similar or, or possibly even worse output as you saw, uh, you know, outside of injury when he was playing, you see year two being similar or possibly a little bit lower outcome. Yeah, he never, I mean, he had that 131 yard game in the beginning and I, I think people are just basing it way too much on there. His highest receiving total after that was 56 yards. Yeah. That's not, that's not impressive to me. I don't think he's well. The this. thing to worry about with him too is you got the double injury whammy because I mean he can go down because we saw that last year, and then the other mm-hmm. guy we saw go down last year that would affect him is Matt Stafford, and I mean Stafford's got a whole list of injury issues, and I'm definitely um, cautious of that as well. I think the only counter argument, and and I am agreeing with you, Andrew, as far as I would I would sell TJ here, um, is that going into next year after the 2020 season, Quintez Cephas is the only receiver of note on that has a contract, and TJ, that has a contract with the Detroit Lions. So there will possibly be some shakeups. Who knows what could happen, but they're, they're, the targets might open up after this year. Nope, I'm right there with you too. I would, um, I would ask you this question, and, and I think it's worth talking about since we're talking about them. It might be a situation with TJ. If you own him, sell him now because we're we're saying, you know, this next year we don't see a, an improvement. And if the guy kind of stays the same or does even worse and it's a situation thing or an injury with Matt Stafford thing, go out and buy him next year because the value is going to be even lower then. No, I agree right there with you. I, I think that we've we've kind of said all we can on TJ, how we feel about him. Um so we still have wide receivers to go over, man. <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, so wide receivers, first guy, you want to introduce him? Mr. Debo Samuel for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so I'm buying Debo at his price right now due to the Jones fracture. And we've seen his his um, ADP drop exponentially. I mean, we picked him up in either an eighth or a ninth eighth. round. Yeah, I mean, and, and this this guy was a, a top three, four round pick. Uh, people are really worried about this Jones fracture. I'm not too worried about it. He was the clear cut wide receiver one on that um, 49ers offense last year. I, I just don't see anyone competing with him. I mean, they brought in Ayuk. He's he's still going to be a good compliment. Ayuk was apparently pretty high on Shanahan's. Like he really wanted him, but I agree. But he's anyway. Debo out of the backfield as well, too. You know, he's yep. also a rushing threat, too. And he, he's, he's a target hog, man. He's a young cat, good prospect, quick, crisp route runner. And I think that he fits really well into that offense. I'm buying him. Even with the Jones fracture, people are really scared about him. And because re- that's a nagging injury that goes on for it can for be a, a re injury concern. Yeah. 
So I'm I'm buying Debo. I am. My thing about Debo to jump in on that with you with the with the Jones fracture thing that has been and this even like as as early as six uh, six days ago, the San Francisco 49ers do not seem like they're in a rush to get Debo back out on the field, and that's what you want to see with a Jones fracture. I think I was reading a stat where like the chances of re-injury go down so much if you just give them uh, whatever amount of weeks. I think it's like 13 weeks. If you give them 13 weeks off, the chance of re-injury with this injury goes significantly down than like getting them back in at 10 weeks. So I like what I'm seeing so far as the response to the injury from Debo and from the 49ers organization. And so that gives me good hope. I think that makes him even more of a buy low because people are worried about the Jones fracture. Uh, I agree with everything you said. I mean, the guy had 802 yards, receiving yards last season on uh, 57 receptions. So that's pretty damn good. Uh, Obviously, Shanahan likes scheming him into the offense wherever he can. And I do think you're going to see a more spread out attack as far as the receiving options go in San Francisco next year. But I do think that Debo's going to get his and going to continue to carve out a bigger role for him. And with that Jones fracture, there's just such a dip. So buy when you can. Right there um, with you. So I can introduce the next guy and let you go about it too. You yeah, ready? yeah, yeah. So we talked about him earlier, had him in the back pocket. Nikhil Harry with the New England Patriots. Yeah, so I know we both like Nikhil going into 2020. Um, the biggest things I like about him is, first of all, first-round draft capital. You always like to see it. Patriots selected him in the last pick of the first round last year. And so they've got – they obviously believe that this guy's a talent. If you saw Nikhil Harry in college, um, the athleticism, the catch radius, the measurables, it's insane. The guy is a big-body guy that can get open and get up and go get the ball. I think that vibes and meshes really well with Cam Newton as well. Cam Newton likes throwing to the big target, and Nikhil Harry offers that. Uh, I think there was a lot. Nikhil Harry is a typical situation where you have a guy that underperformed expectations, and that's where you have the dip in, in value that we we want to buy low on. You know, everybody was expecting a lot from Nikhil Harry. He was a first round pick in Dynasty last year in rookie drafts. And he ended up on the IR for half the season. And then when he came back, he didn't really do anything. A lot of that is also due to the fact that Tom Brady does not ever like to use rookies. He even came out and said it. Um, And the guy just didn't get much love. He didn't get much chance to show himself. And now we're kind of going into a new chapter of the Patriots uh, for the team. And this is Nikhil Harry's position to lose, in my opinion. Julian Edelman's the only thing standing between him and receiving the lion's share of the targets there as far as receiving goes, and James White. Both of those guys are older. Um, Both those guys are nearing the end of their career, fantasy-relevant career at least. And so Nikhil Harry is a guy that I'm looking to to buy low now because he underperformed expectations and look for that bounce back for 2020. I mean, you touched on a lot of the points that uh, I was going to say. Uh, The big thing to add to what you're saying is With fantasy, it it still goes, and you hear analysts and people who talk about it, it's, what have you done for me lately? Nikhil Harry, you were hurt most of the year. You didn't do squat for me. When you came back, you underperformed to people's expectations, which, I mean, two touchdowns is still not bad, (laughs) considering. No, not uh, bad in six games. Yeah, the snap's seven. Yeah, well, either way. I mean, look at the games he he played, and he played 3% of snaps in one game. So Right, that's what I'm saying. His his snap percentage wasn't there, and they drafted him with exponentially high 
draft capital. I think this cat is is going to be his own worst enemy. How he plays, I think he's very talented. I think that he's got a good scheme up there and probably arguably the best coach in all of the NFL and Bill Belichick. I think he knows what he's doing with him. And I agree. I, I think this going to fit dis- him. Find that owner that's disenfranchised with, with their first round pick and disappointed in them and, and go by. So Absolutely. We agree on Nikhil. Uh, the we- next guy we're going to talk about is old Darius Slayton over there at New Oof. York. So what's your thoughts on, what's your initial take on Slayton? Selling. Or selling. Selling. <laughs> selling. Uh, this guy. This guy was the, to the in in all capital letters and bright lights on the marquee. This guy was good because he was a benefactor of injury to that team. His only competition is Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. They can't stay on the field. Both very good players can't stay on the field. You know, so people may say that I'm making an argument to Bond because he's the only one who can stay up there. That's not true because you never want to assume any players are getting injured, right? Saquon yeah. Barkley is still a part of that offense. Saquon Barkley will has the potential to make any receiver on a football team irrelevant. Darius Slayton came off a fantastic year. He did have a good year. Like I'm not taking it away from the guy. He was very efficient. He was very efficient. So he had 83 targets, 48 receptions, 740 yards. Um, and he averaged about 15 yards a catch and eight touchdowns. He did. He did well. He he played well. He fits in with a young quarterback there too. I think he's capped. I think that's the highest we're going to see him. I don't yeah. see him going any higher than what he is now. Everybody's so in love with this idea of like Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones have started this like long term commitment relationship, like they're on The Bachelor or something. And you know, Daniel Jones has finally proposed to Darius Slayton, and and he's given him his last rose. And here we start our beautiful marriage but we all know how those end if any of you keep up with the bachelor pretty well right <laughs> so none of them end well but i'm just saying i mean i agree he was like a, a huge benefactor of opportunity this whole like oh him and him and daniel jones are this match made in heaven it's not going to happen and and eight touchdowns was it yeah eight touchdowns eight. on 48 receptions not going to happen that's not a sustainable pace it's just no. not so, and, so many people will buy Slayton right now. I would, I would be. And selling. for a primo price, you know, people talk about the other, you know, sophomores are coming into, which we're not touching on, you know, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, things like that. Darius Slayton's in that conversation, which I don't think he should be. I think his price, I, I think, like I said, just sell him, get what you can for him. Now you can get something really good. I would for much him, rather you know? take, I would much rather take, like if I could give up Darius Slayton in a piece for like a Tyler Boyd or like a Robert Woods or a much more proven um, guy who's been in the league a little bit longer, I would love that. I mean, to me, that'd be a great buy is kind of take one of those underwhelming, but consistent players for somebody that wants the young Darius Slayton. If you had to do Darius Slayton in like a pick for one of those guys, I'd be all over like a second. I'd be fine with that. Nope. I'm right there with you on that. And he, I mean, Darius Slayton did have a couple of ailments and nagging injuries too. Just saying. Yeah. So uh, the last guy I want to talk about, because I know we disagree on this one. It's always good to get some debate in our uh, takes here is going to be Miko Hardman. So uh, I'm all in on the Miko train i like me cole hardman and my main reason is obviously you know we talk about situation and talent i think me cole hardman is a talented receiver in the sense that he's 
supremely fast. He's one of the faster guys in the league. He's got big playability, and he's connected to Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think McColl is another guy that people kind of thought he might show off and flash a little bit more than he did last year. I mean, he ended with 26 receptions, uh, six touchdowns, however, which is extremely high. Very big play, dependent and efficient there. But I think he's going to get more snap share this year, and I think you're going to see an increase. And again, anybody that's tied to Pat Mahomes and the uh, Chiefs, I'm all in on if, they, if they're a serviceable product. So anything you want to add there, Andrew? Yep, I'm selling Miko Hardman. I guess you do. Since you're selling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want him. Uh, I think that the, the exact reasons you said he's got this big play potential, you know, I say we sell on the upside because just what I've seen, that's just potential, right? And not to mention on that Kansas City offense, you have the likes of Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins is still there. Travis Kelsey, the new shiny new toy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the back uh, backfield there. Um, I, I just don't see him having the snap share to make him fantasy relevant. I think he's a, he's a, he's a good football player. I think he's an asset to Andy Reid over there. I don't see him being fantasy relevant, and that's why I'm selling. I mean, Demarcus Robinson, I mean, he's 25, and he played absolutely more snaps than this cat did last year. And I think that even if Sammy Watkins leaves, I think that um, Marcus Robinson kind of takes over that wide receiver three position there um, in Kansas City. I, I, just, I, just don't see, I just don't see it happening, in, in my opinion. All right, well... We can agree to disagree on that one. I think Nicole sees a uh, increase in share, but we'll have to just wait and see on that one. But uh, I think that's all the guys we have time for. Once again, we thank everybody for jumping in and checking out the episode. We're going to be bringing you guys another episode next week. Andrew and I are in the planning stages of that right now to decide what we want to talk about. But we picked this episode to kind of give you guys a little bit of different content from what you might be seeing in the uh dynasty podcast landscape we like kind of trying to do a little something different obviously we're going to talk about rookies stuff like that but one of the reasons why you didn't hear names like kyler murray aj brown uh miles sanders stuff like that on this podcast today is andrew and i are trying to do a little bit of a deeper dive and and give you guys some names that may not be the first things you think about when you think of sophomore bylaws and sell highs or something like that so if you didn't hear a name that you were thinking um Feel free to hit us up on Twitter, ask us about it. And if you have any suggestions for a show you'd like to hear also, we'd love to hear suggestions. So hit us up on Twitter, um, send us a DM, let us know what you think, and, and we'd love to talk about it. But I think that's it. Andrew, you got anything you want to add? That's it, man. I think that we had a good show. I'm excited for next week's show too. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, sir. See you guys later.